Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit Wellness Coaching Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor. You're listening to the How May I Serve You podcast, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele by asking them, how may I serve you? Today's show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia in honor of our guests today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. Today's guest is Stephen Howard. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I need some of your energy, sir. I'm just, I'm getting energized listening to your introduction. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome right there. So Stephen Howard is a strong facilitator and keynote speaker who has delivered B2B sales, leadership, and talent development programs in Asia, Australia, Europe, and North America to numerous big name organizations. Wow. Okay. He brings expertise in leadership, sales, marketing, and business development. An author with 36 years of senior sales and marketing experience in Australia, Asia, and the USA. His corporate career covered a wide variety of fields ranging from consumer electronics and computers like Texas Instruments to publishing Time Magazine and from a national airline, Air Lanka, to personal financial products, VP marketing at Citibank. He has been a member of the training faculty at Forum Corporation, MasterCard, University Asia Pacific, and the Citibank Asia Pacific Banking Institute. Stephen, you are a man that has been that's well traveled and very skilled, man. Talk to me. I've had a I've had a lucky life. I've enjoyed it. I I, I got I got sent to Asia when I was 23 years old. Okay. Uh, Asia was starting to boom, and uh, I made it. I took advantage of it. it was It's been a wonderful wonderful journey. That's amazing. So you got started. You haven't looked back since, huh? Not really. Not really. In fact, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm repeating myself. History is repeating myself. I moved to Mexico City about seven months ago because I oh, see wow. Mexico and Latin America being like Asia was in the 1980s. You know, a thirst for knowledge, a thirst for information, a booming middle class. Uh, you know, once we get past this pandemic, mm -hmm. I think Latin America will be the place to be. So I'm here. I'm ready for it. That's amazing, right there. That's amazing. So, um, Stephen, I want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. The two-minute version. The two-minute version. Well, two-minute <laughs> version, as you said, I, I graduated from uh, college, got hired by Texas Instruments. After a couple of years in Dallas, they sent me to Singapore. I uh, got hired as a salesperson for Time Magazine because I wanted to stay in Asia. Uh, became regional director. I ran Time Magazine's operations from Brunei to Pakistan, along mm. the Southern Asia border. Uh, then I went to work for Sri Lanka for a year. Uh, Time Magazine wanted me to move back to, to the United States. City um, Texas wanted me to move back, and I wanted to stay international. So I joined uh, Sri Lanka, the national airline of Sri Lanka. Yeah. But one of our three planes blew up on the tarmac during the Civil War, and I was supposed wow. to be on that plane the next night flying to London. So Citibank had been trying to hire me for a year, and I decided banking was a safer industry than aviation and, and travel. So I uh, joined Citibank, had a nice career with them, five and a half years. I uh, looked where I learned a lot of my leadership skills. Mm -hmm. uh, I had 23 people reporting to me. And then I went off on my own. 
and uh, I've, been, I've, I've coached and trained over 10,000 leaders from every continent in the world except Antarctica. And it's too darn cold down there. I'm not going to go to Antarctica. Um, so, yeah, it's, just, it's been a wonderful journey. And I, you know, like yourself, I enjoy giving back. So it's, um, it's amazing. It's right there, so what triggered you to um, take that journey um, when, when, it, when, it, when it comes to going independent? I, you know, the, every organization, including Citibank, wanted me to move back to the United States. And if I had wanted to work and have a great career, and I could have mm -hmm. had a great career at Time Magazine, I could have had a great career at Citibank, I needed to have both U.S. domestic and international experience. I didn't, I did not see myself working for somebody for 20, 25 years. And so, you know, usually I left about every seven years or so. And I decided I, I would stay in Asia. I uh, wanted to stay international in my focus, and I had the opportunity at that time to become a permanent resident of Singapore, uh, to start my own business in Singapore, and uh, I grew it, and then I moved to Australia uh, to run my businesses from Asia because it was easier to run from Australia than from um, um, United States, for instance. Mm, okay. And I only moved back to the U.S. Um, in 2012 when my father started to have some health issues and I became his primary caregiver. Otherwise, I might have still been still been in Asia. Who knows? Okay. Okay. So what about Asia attracted you? Was it the culture, the people? Talk to me about that. The, the culture, the diversity of culture. I mean, the, you can't think of Asia as one culture. I mean, the Japanese are yeah. so different than the Malaysians who are very different from Indians and the Pakistanis. And, and but, you know, hardworking, open, friendly, welcoming people pretty much across the board. Uh, I love the food. I love the travel. <laughs> you know, look, look it, it's not like today. I mean, I moved to Asia in 1980. They were throwing money at us. I mean, we all flew business class all the time. We stayed in five-star hotels. I I mean, companies were spending money like there was no tomorrow, but we built businesses. We built great businesses and mm -hmm. not just me. There's, you know, several hundred of us that uh, were, you know, long-term expatriates in Asia at the time and, and helped and helped educate the, uh, the growing middle class of Asia at the time. And, you know, I'm very proud that some of the people, one of the people I trained, for instance, in marketing, I hired him as a research person. Uh, he is now a professor of marketing at one of the leading universities in Singapore. Now, that's yeah. not all my doing. I got him on the right track. I started it. But, you know, he, <laughs> he's learned a lot over the years. And, and yeah. uh, kudos to him. That's kind of a nice, nice thing to I'd rather know. I'd rather have that on my my tombstone mm -hmm. than the fact that I helped some company make millions of dollars in one year. You know, that's just awesome. a nice story. Today's episode is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones. All things that wreak havoc on your body. This is why having a wellness support team is necessary. Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T. Com and schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, that, that's more personal, man. You, 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 yeah. you can actually 
um, track that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's more rewarding. I, you know, it's, it's nicer to think about that that I contributed to several people's growth. That's just nice. Yes, indeed. So, what got you into coaching, man? Um, it was kind of a natural step. I mean, this this gentleman, quite frankly, after he, he worked for me at Citibank, and about a year after I left Citibank, he uh, he left, went to uh, Compaq Computers okay. at the time, and then he would call me up and say, hey, "I got this issue, I got this problem. Um, can we have, can we meet for coffee?" And I said, "Sure," and it just be, you know became natural to talk to him. There's another young man at Citibank that um, I also was training, and then he left Citibank to work for an ad agency, and he called mm -hmm. me up, and you know it was all informal but it, it kind of felt like I enjoyed it and I felt like I had something to contribute to them. I mean, in both cases, I was probably 12 or 15 years older, which meant I had 12 to 15 years of more work experience than them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed that. And then I got into the training uh, game as well. And I enjoyed teaching in the classroom. And uh, again, just being able to share my stories um, and, and bring the, the training to life by being able to say, look, you know, here, here, here's a model for feedback, blah, 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 blah. But then I would be able to say, here's how I use that model at Citibank and what I did. And people enjoyed that. I got good feedback and I just continued coaching and continued training since then. That's awesome, especially with your large array of expertise um, traveling in different countries, man. I'm, I'm pretty sure you have a lot, a lot to share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know, that's what it, now in North America, that's one of the key reasons large corporations hire me, quite frankly, because even mm -hmm. before the pandemic, a lot of people were doing their backroom operations in India, but they were being managed from like Houston or Dallas or Atlanta. And they didn't know how to lead people cross-culturally. So I bring this, you know, 30 years of multicultural cross-cultural experience and able to tell them, hey, when you start a conversation like this, people in India are going to react differently than people in Japan and yeah. differently than people in Houston. And it's so understand that the culture, because yeah. you're, you're leading people. People think you lead organizations, you lead departments. No, you lead people. Mm -hmm. And so you have to understand that, you know, people have different cultural backgrounds, experiences, knowledge, no, no culture is better than the other culture. We're all different. We all have our uniqueness and we can all learn from one another. Yes, indeed. So who do you coach primarily? Because I, I know you mentioned that these companies hire you to um to bridge the gap, right? So who, who do you coach primarily? Did you just work with uh, large corporations? Do you work with um, individuals as well? Like, talk to me about that. Yeah, both. Uh, and, and in honesty, I work with a lot with medium-sized organizations. Okay. Um, you know, there's an organization, uh, it's a services company mm -hmm. uh, in the, on the West Coast, and I started with one person. I now coach three people in that organization, and I have actually have a phone call this afternoon with a fourth person. They've asked me to talk to this person, maybe take on a fourth person in the company. Mostly, I deal with people who uh, range from first-time leaders a new supervisor, new manager, new team leader, on up to like the people reporting to the VPs. I'll be honest, I don't do a lot with the, you know vice presidents and, and C-suite people. There's all kinds of people dealing with them. And I really yeah. enjoy the younger people because they have a thirst for knowledge. So my, the, average age, yeah, the average age I coach is between 25 and 40. Oh, I, I think over the years, I've only had a few people, you know, 45 plus that I've ever coached. Um, and, uh, and then, so I coach them on leadership. I also, interesting sideline here, because I've written so many 
many books, I now coach people on how to publish their book. And I can Ooh. edit their book. I can proofread their book. I can help them get it on Kindle and Amazon and other things. So, you know, during the pandemic, I, I helped one lady uh, publish three books in about an 18 month period. Uh, wow. So she, she put her she put her time to use uh, <laughs> during the pandemic. And um, she interestingly, we met uh, a week ago week or two, I can't remember now. Um, and she wants to talk about her fourth book. So she's, we sat down, had coffee, and she outlined her fourth book to me. Got so, started, man. <laughs> I got, I got, I got, I've, uh, I've unleashed a, a writer in this lady. So she wants to just keep writing. That's awesome right there. That's awesome. So what's your coaching style like? Uh, I, want you to, I want you to describe your style because I, I know you have, you have such an array of experience. You know, you have to the teaching style, you know, and let's talk about that. What's your style like? Your My work? style is very personable, almost like you and I having this conversation. And I think okay. from what I've talked to other people, one thing I differ in is I like to focus on what your strengths are. So, mm. you know, a lot of people want to say, you know, I, got, I want to coach. I want to learn to be, do this better. I want to learn to do this better. Yeah, that's great. You do. But where's your strengths? Like so you're in Case Thomas, where's your strengths? Is it in communications? Is it in um, empathy for your employees? Is it in um, setting clear goals? Is it delegation? And then where are your weaknesses? And so, and particularly a lot of people I coach, for instance, delegation is one of their weaknesses. They're not mm -hmm. comfortable delegating. Yeah. So I said, what are, where are you comfortable? What are your strengths? And well, I, I pretty much, I trust people and I, and I have high expectations of people. Well, that that's a dichotomy. You can trust people, but if your <laughs> expectations are too high, that may be why you don't want to delegate to them. So let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Let's talk about how you can take one step. For instance, um, let's talk with someone earlier this week. I said, don't delegate the whole project because you won't. Delegate the first two steps of the project to somebody. See how they do mm -hmm. and don't micromanage them, but don't don't abdic abdicate either. Don't just let them, you know, sink and swim to sort of thing. Yeah. So take it by a step. Then let's talk about it, how you felt about that. How did they do? You trust this person. Great. Now, can they do steps three and four next month? And then step five the month after. So you might end up spending three months working with the person before you fully delegate the entire task to them. This is a task that they have to repeat on a, a bi-monthly basis. So, and, and he's trying it. I'll, I'll call me in two weeks. I'll let you know how it went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It seems like, like you're really um, holding um, this person's hand, like your, 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 your client's hand in general, right? Yeah. yeah, you're, you're yeah. Working through the step because it's mostly psychological. A lot of it's psychological. A lot of it is confidence building, which I guess you could call it psychological as well. Um, and, and the other thing I do with people, I say, look, I'm not a taxi service. If anytime you want to have a 15 minute phone call, I don't put the meter on. You just, you got my calendar, access my account, you book it, or you call me on the phone if it's urgent or send me a text message. And I'll call you back as soon as I can. Mm -hmm. And you know, so that's kind of my value add service is that, you know, yes, we you know, like this individual, we meet on a month a month basis for an hour. But, it, you know, something comes up between that. Don't wait. Give me a call. Let's work it out. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to like I said, I'm not a taxi meter. I'm not going to charge you by the by the quarter hour. Uh, so you don't have to worry about it. So it's just part of my services. Well, right. you pretty much have a lot of troubleshooting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, the other thing, and if you've got coaches out there, um, or even people who the one of the things I coach people on people are, in our world today, everyone reacts, everyone thinks they have to make a fast decision. <laughs> and I almost got caught with this, um, just before the pandemic, I was 
uh, flying to Houston, transiting through Denver airport. And one of my mm -hmm. coaching clients called me and said, Stephen, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. Here's the situation. And I said, okay, I got 10 minutes for it board. He, la he laid it out to me and he said, what do you think? And I've now trained myself when somebody says, what do you think? My response typically is, I think I need time to think about it. There you and go. <laughs> what I said to him, and I, this is what I teach people. So I, yeah, yeah. I, I walked the talk. I said to him, I said, you know what? Um, I think you're on the right track. However, mm -hmm. I'm going to get on a plane. I got two hour flight to Houston. Can I call you back when I get off the plane and give you, tell you what I think? He said, yeah, sure. I said, no, no problem. I got off the, and I was so glad because on the flight, I thought of he, what he had was really good, but mm -hmm. I actually thought of something to add on to his idea. And right. I got off the plane, I called him and said, okay, here, here's what you, okay, great idea. Why don't you think about doing this? He goes, oh, I love it. I'm so glad I talked to you. <laughs> so I think, I think I need time to think about it is a, yeah. a better response than is a reacting to somebody and just saying, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Go ahead and do it. Just shouldn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because you, you're much more thoughtful. Plus you're able to, um, you know, think it out. It's funny how when people tell you, let me sleep on it. That term is such an important term uh -huh. because you actually give your, 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 your body, yourself time to focus and to think about whatever, subject that is you know without yeah. rushing into things so being able to think i think i think it was probably um who was it who was it was it warren buffett that mentioned the, the ability to think is one of the biggest or best attributes um yeah. it, it is and what do we do we but you know we say we hire you know, we used to hire workers for the hands now we say we hire them for their brains <laughs> i love it if next time you're in office watch this when, when everyone's back in the office and you're talking with somebody and their boss starts to come by they start typing on the computer like they're busy it's yeah. like thinking is mm -hmm. not busy work that's wrong thinking is busy work. You, I, I, I would pay somebody to be thinking, looking out the window, thinking of ideas, being creative, not just responding to emails all day long. So, so Stephen, so Stephen, how how would you like? How would you switch the culture, right? Because you just mentioned people don't highlight or give thinking the the time that it needs, right? The the admiration that it needs. How would you make thinking more? Um, popular, much more on a heightened basis. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, I, I I teach people, and I in my books I tell people become a first responder. Okay. And I tell a little story. When I was in Asia, I learned to scuba dive, and I got up to rescue diver. My certification. Well, the first thing they teach as a rescue diver is somebody's in the water yelling, "Help! Help! Help!" You don't just jump off the boat. You stop, you assess, are there fishing nets that you could get tangled up in? Mm. Are there jellyfish? Is there an oil slick? Is the, is the tide on the surface running differently than it was below when, when you happen to be in the water? And obviously everyone thinks about sharks, but in honesty, sharks are not the biggest risk that you have. And then you make sure you got all your equipment on and then you jump in the water to go help the person. And it takes wow. 45 40, seconds to a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, that, that's what we call our EMTs, first responders. Mm -hmm. So I teach people in the, in the business world, when somebody comes to you and says, I need a decision on this. Okay, fine. Ask some good questions. Get yourself under control. Do not get emotionally hijacked because when the, when we're under stress, the brain goes into what's called binary decision mode. That means it limits our choices to two, mm -hmm. this or that, black or white, yes or no, one or two. And in many times we need to think of options three, four, and five. And that's why when you say sleep on it, that's what our brain is doing. It's thinking of other options. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even 
option one, two, three, or four, sometimes it's, oh, if I take option two and add part of option four, that's my best choice. And that becomes option five. So you have to pause. You have to reflect. The best way to pause is ask some questions. The second best way is what I said earlier. I think I need time to think about that. Can I have half an hour? Can I have 20 minutes? Can I have till tomorrow morning? Depending on the situation, obviously. <laughs> Excuse me. And the third thing is, is to um, just turn around to the person and say, what would you do? What, what's your advice? What's your recommendation? Yeah. And then, okay, let me think about that as well. So the whole thing is don't just, somebody comes up and says, we got this situation, what should we do? And I'll, well, go do this because it worked last time. That's reacting. You want to respond. So become a first responder. I love that, man. I love that. This is my, this is my first time hearing that term, realizing coaching. Normally, I would hear it with with emergencies, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that's that's a good term to utilize, man. Become a first responder. And the way you broke it down, it makes so much sense, you know. Thank you, well, thank you. And and, and you know, I, I tell people the um, the importance of that, um, and people are using it, and I've gotten good feedback on it, so it's really good. Yes, indeed. So this is why everyone needs to go buy your book. <laughs> the plural. <laughs> plural <yeah. laughs> so, um, Stephen, I want you to give me like a two to three minute success story where you utilize your your practical approach, your first responder approach to help elevate one of your clients towards success. Okay, thank you. Uh, I think the first one I can think of is a, a young a young man mid thirties that I first started coaching just about two years ago. And when I, and when I coached him, he was, he was the uh, IT department head or assistant manager of IT in this, in a company. And, and when I also talked to his boss and one of the things that, you know, he's very introverted, um, didn't like to socialize, thought, thought that conversation like you and I having are a waste of time. He was just focused, focused, work, 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 deadline, da, da, do, do things, you know, very good at that. Very good individual contributor. But they wanted to promote him into the head of the IT department and they wanted to groom him for even higher positions. So in the mm. last two years, I mean, I work with him. I mean, one of the things that I, yeah, that I remember very well, I think it was our second phone call. And I said, um, OK, um, what are you doing for Christmas parties this year internally? He says, oh, we're, each department's having their own. I go, good. Here's your here's your goal. I want you to go to three walk into three other department Christmas parties. He goes, what? No, 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 no. I, I, I want you to go to the marketing department. I want you to go to the finance department. I want you to go to the HR department. And you need to start mingling because if you're going to rise in the organization, you need to have relationships outside your IT department and, and outside your boss. And he did it reluctantly. <laughs> and then <laughs> when he got promoted to, to the department head manager, I said, okay, now you got to start social you know, once a month or once a while, you need to have a pizza, pizza party at work, bring in pizzas for your staff or everyone go golfing together, go to the driving range. So he started doing that and he's now become comfortable dealing with other people and the real success. And uh, thank you for the opportunity here is last year he was, he was um, promoted to the executive committee of the team of the whole of the not the team of the whole company and wow. he he is one of the four or five young guns that the owners who started the company and the senior people who are 
in their late 50s, early 60s, kind of looking towards retirement. He's one of the four or five people that they want to turn the company over to going forward. Wow, that's amazing right there, man. Yeah. And, and if it isn't so good, I actually now I wanted one of the other people I coach is on his team. So he's he's done the same thing. Now, when he identified some of his staff that he wanted to promote mm -hmm. after his promotion, he said, can you coach this guy? And it's very similar. You know, I teach people not, you know, just being stereotypical. They're not all like, but again, another young guy, very right. quiet. I right. said, what, you know, what do you do for your social life? He goes, well, I go home and I do gaming online. I said, I, no, no. I mean, when was the last time you went out and talked to a human being? He goes like. I said hello to the guy at the gym last week. Said, no, no. <laughs> so same process with him, getting him out, getting him comfortable mm -hmm. with his people, you know, trying to get him to, you know, make friendships outside the company, you know, and, and then, and also everyone taking care of their mental and physical health these days. That's another focus that when I'm coaching people is making sure they're not burned out or not approaching burnout. So same kind of, same kind of things. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a great story right there. Steven, do you, do you find that, with the the more technology gets better the more people tend to isolate themselves because i'm i'm noticing a lot of folks with the yeah. it um and, and other technology um industries they tend to be very introverted and to themselves did you also do you also find the same kind of um similarities yeah, I do. I look, look, Thomas, I'm a writer. What I mean, most writers, what do we want to do? When turn the world off, leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> Give me five hours. To, you know, I'd rather, you know, when I travel, I'd rather go to my hotel room and write than go to the bar and, and watch a game on, you know, watch a basketball game on the sports bar or something. So, uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people, I think what has happened during the pandemic is whatever people's natural tendencies are have mm -hmm. been emphasize. So if you were an introvert, quiet person, you kind of withdrew and you withdrew in Zoom meetings. You, you didn't participate if you didn't have to. Mm -hmm. If you were the very extrovert, you were slightly frustrated because you couldn't see people. I mean, you're a people person. You like to talk a lot. And, but, and then you start dominating the Zoom conversations as well. And so both people tended to go towards the extreme. And in both cases, I've been trying to coach people back to a more balanced situation. You can't, you can't isolate yourself, but also you can't dominate just because you're frustrated. You haven't been on like sales calls for the last six months and you know, haven't seen, hadn't had any people interaction. So getting people to understand one of my favorite phrases is, is particularly the extroverts is, you know, we all have two ears and one mouth. You're going to learn a lot more if you use it in that proportion. Listen twice as much as you talk and you're going to, you're going to gain a lot more knowledge and information. You're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so Stephen, are you currently working on any new projects or new books that you could, you could share with us? I have a new book. I'm about halfway through, quite honestly. Um, I'm pushing myself to try and publish it by the middle of March. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll even share with your audience here. I'll give you a little insight here. It is called Humany Leadership. It's a created word. Okay. Humany takes the word human, humanity, and harmony. And I'm talking about how to bring harmony into the workplace, which no one talks about harmony. Everyone talks about conflict management, but people want harm. People, in the, one thing coming out of the pandemic, we all want harmony in our life. We want, we don't want work-life balance. We want work-life harmony. Mm. Uh, we, we want to harmonize our life. So leaders need to understand that. And so the whole book is about 10 skills that leaders need to focus on, what some of these we used to call soft skills, but now they're really essential skills. I, I even call them powers, powerful skills. Um, 
And so I'm hoping to come out of the book in, like I said, by mid-March. So human okay. leadership, how to be a people-centric leader. Nice, nice, nice. I love it. Make sure to let me know because I will get a copy of that. We'll <laughs> you, put you on the list right now. <laughs> so if someone were to inquire about your services of want to get their hands on that book, once it comes out, where can they connect with you? Well, connect with me on, on my website. My company is called Caliente Leadership. So a lot of people know Caliente in Spanish means hot. Yeah. But most, people, <laughs> most people don't know, though, the second definition of Caliente is passionate. A conversation Caliente is a passionate mm. conversation. So I'm passionate about leadership. I'm passionate about development, uh, leadership development. Uh, also, where I live in Southern California, uh, when I lived there, was on the land was owned by the Agua Caliente Band of Indians, hot, uh, Agua Caliente Hot Water. Okay. And so it's my tribute to our Native American landholders as well, landowners. So um, so yeah, so Caliente Leadership, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Stephen, middle initial B, Howard. That's the Twitter handle. You can find me on LinkedIn, Stephen Howard. Just look for Greater Los Angeles Region. Um, yeah, and if you want to connect, you want to talk about any subjects, reach out to me. Be happy to, to talk with you. Uh, if you're interested in coaching or even want to know what coaching is all about, I'm happy to have a conversation with you and just see if you can benefit from coaching. Awesome. So last but not least, Stephen, how may I help you? How may I serve <laughs> you, actually? Not help. How may I serve you? How may you serve me? I think you just did, Thomas. You asked some really great questions. You got a really good interview style. So publicize the heck out of this. And uh, when the book comes out, please read it. If you enjoy it, um, please recommend it to people because um, I really think that this uh, it's going to open up some eyes. I'm, you know, I've got some controversial thoughts in the book about leadership, even even about whether or not HR department should be reconstituted. Um, mm. for, a friend of mine says, I want to blow up the HR department. I, said, no, <laughs> I, I want to reconstitute the HR department. I want to make it more beneficial to organizations than, than what it's doing now. So that's just a little insight to what I, so there'll be a little controversy in the book, but I'm hoping it will make people think. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I'm certainly saying, I think I've got some answers and I can put you in the right direction of things you should be thought, talk, uh, things you should be thinking about as a leader for the for the future yeah controversy um forces people to think right and get out of the comfort zone so there you that's go. how you that's how you grow that's how you grow i mean you, you don't grow you don't become a better skier by staying on the bunny slopes you become right. a better skier by challenging yourself you got to keep doing you know pushing yourself it's outside that comfort zone that's where you grow well the same thing in leadership that's where you grow yes indeed you're absolutely right so steven thank you for coming on this episode of how may i serve you thank you for Blessing us with your wisdom, your experience, and all your insight. Thank you, my friend. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. And this is 66, and I look forward to opening some champagne and celebrating when you hit number 100. There we go. There we go. I love the sound of that. And i also like to thank all of our guests for coming on today and lending us their ears and their eyeballs. So, guys, make sure to come on next week. Tune in. And last but not least, stay well. God bless. See you guys next time. Cheers. We're out. <laughs>